Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will be continuing our conversation with Right Worshipful Brother Cameron Bailey, Deputy Grandmaster of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Free and Accepted Masons of Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Hello, I'm Matt Apple. I'm a Freemason down here in Washington, and I am joined with our, our usual hosts here today. We have Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung and Right Worshipful Brother Trevor McCune of the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in the Yukon, and Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth, of the, who's with me down here in Washington. And uh, as with last week, we have with us our, our honored guest, Right Worshipful Brother Cameron Bailey, who's the Deputy Grandmaster of Washington, and who, as we record this, it occurred to me, as I, after I said it at the last episode, as we record this, it'll be about a week from now that, that you'll be standing for election for Grandmaster, but it by the time this episode airs, that will have happened, so we can we can pretend like we know the future. <laughs> um, well, so at the end of the last episode, um, right, we're this still- is not a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the last episode there, uh, uh, right, Worship Brother Cameron, you had mentioned that the uh, we have a large number of people who are seeking to come into masonry and uh, sort of the pent up demand from COVID. And some folks think it seems that there's a, uh, that COVID itself actually has increased our demand for the fraternity and uh, that we should um, guard the West gate. And I know that was a topic on Emmeth recently that you had had led a discussion on. Uh, so I guess if you wouldn't mind, could you expound a bit upon your, your beliefs there and, or repeat even what you said last week so that we uh, we can remember what you said. Muted. You're muted, brother. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's never happened on the podcast before to any of us. Never, sure. never. I can probably cut that out if I remember, but oh well, <laughs> it'll make for a good, good outtake. All right. So one of, one of my failures as a Mason, and, and it still bothers me to this day, even though it happened quite a few years ago, is I was on an investigation committee. And uh, we took shortcuts in that investigation, and we knew we were taking shortcuts. And the man we ended up uh, uh, initiating turned out to be unsuitable for Masonry and he's driven people away from masonry and that's all, always bothered me my role in that and i'd like to think that i i learned from my mistakes and and uh, that was the end of me taking shortcuts during an investigation process but i i think right now as we come back from covid we're we're facing some level of danger because as, as you mentioned, we have all this pent-up demand. I think some of it is from COVID. I think some of it is because we're now advertising more effectively than we ever did in the past, thanks to the, the Scottish Rite and the Shrine here in North America and their BeAFreemason.org efforts. And 
so we are tracking about 300 uh, potential candidates just at the Grand Lodge. And of course, we don't see the vast majority of them. Uh, most of them just go directly to the lodge, but we've got we've got quite a list at the Grand Lodge office. And my fear is that we could get so excited, we're looking at this vast body of men that we we do like I did years ago, and we, we sh take a shortcut on those investigations, and we initiate an unsuitable man. Because I'm firmly convinced that, that every time we, we do that, I don't think we ever do it on purpose, but, but for whatever reason, we make an error and we do that. We're driving at least 10 good men from the fraternity. You know, the man we make a Mason is going to be seen as such by his friends, by his coworkers, by random people on the street, because we all wear these shirts and these rings. And their impression of Freemasonry is going to be that man. And if he's not a good man, then, you know, they're not going to have a good impression of Freemasonry. And I think we also have a responsibility because we have youth groups, you know. We need to make sure before we initiate a man that he's a man that we'd trust with our own daughters or granddaughters. You know, I think that's really important. And I think that sometimes we forget that, but we do have our youth groups. They do meet in our buildings and they do invite Masons to most or all of their events. So I just really hope that, that as these men and our lodges open up and these men are coming to us, that we don't get so excited that we start cutting corners and, and doing things improperly. We've always got to, got to guard the West Gate and hopefully people don't re repeat the mistake that I made in the past. Use the checklist from the six-step program. And, you know, it really is in all seriousness, just having a checklist reminds us of each step that we got to follow um, in bringing them in and guarding our West Gate. Uh, and really, it can, it can be that simple as having a checklist. Do you guys up in in uh, British Columbia and Yukon have a uh, I don't know a mandate to in, do a uh, criminal investigation on your your potential? No, no. Um, you know there there uh, have been lodges in the past with members that belonged, and you know people sometimes would uh, joke about them being looked up and whatnot. Uh, but no, there's no mandate and no ability for us to do that. Um, I guess technically we could ask for a, um, uh, 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 a criminal record check, being that we are uh, a body that does sponsor the, the, the youth organizations. Um, but that's a fine line as well, right? So, so the, the current petition form in this jurisdiction uh, asks the question, <clears throat> have you been convicted of a, a criminal offense? Uh, and uh, when they sign it, uh, uh, I was going to say the fine print, but it's not, it's the same size as the rest of the print. Uh, it specifically says that his signature authorizes us to do any check that we feel necessary. Doesn't say we will, uh, but we, we've got him granting us permission to do that. 
So let me ask a question to you all. And I'm sorry if you had a follow on to that, but uh, what if you, as Cameron was indicating, uh, what if you do once does slip through? Uh, we, we had, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. We had uh, a man petition our lodge and you slipped I, through. don't worry. We, we know that. Yes. yes. <laughs> that was the shoddy uh, investigation from earlier. Yes. Yes. I'm guilty. I am most guilty. <laughs> uh, we, we had a man petition our lodge and I, got to know him, you know, through, we did a little bit of a six steps on him. It wasn't great at the time, but we did some six steps on him. And I didn't feel that he should be, I didn't feel he should be there. And, but I wasn't ready to make the formal vote in lodge to do that. And so one of the very few ever I've ever missed lodge meetings, I didn't attend that because I knew his petition was going to be balloted on. I feel a little bit guilty to this day about that, but then he was elected to the degrees and I didn't attend his degree because our obligation says that you won't do that. And I thought I can't be there, but I was letting my brothers down. So it was a very juxtaposition for me because I wanted to be there to support my brothers, but I didn't agree with the process. So how anyone doesn't want to comment or Cameron, if you want to comment on that idea, if they get through, what do you do? You can't. Yeah. So, or should, should I have been there to vote and cause that up anyway? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the situation I was referring to the shortcut we took, this was prior to us stealing the six steps from you folks. Uh, the, so the, the step that we cut was the, the visit to the brother, to the man's home. Uh, he had some reason why, why that wouldn't work for him, and, and we believed it. And, of course, in hindsight, we know that had we visited his home, the report of the investigation committee would have been differently, would have been different. Um, but directly to your question, we had another man join our lodge and I still believe he's a good man. And I think that most members of the lodge still believe that he's a good man, but he has some issues related to maturity, right? He does some crazy thing that's really unmasonic. And usually it falls to me to give him a call and I say, Hey, what did you do here? And then he, he realizes it, he feels bad, he fixes it, but then he forgets and he does it again, right, a month later. And so what we did in that case is we just have never advanced him through the degrees. Uh, he's been a fellow craft mason for, for quite a few years now. And I think the lodge won't advance him to master mason until uh, – you know, he's, he's able to overcome that issue, but that does prevent the shirts and the ring and, and the more public uh, uh, knowledge of masonry. And again, back in British Columbia and the Yukon, our constitution does not specifically prevent a convicted felon from being a free from petitioning for Freemasonry. So how we deal with this is very much at the lodge level. The petition asks the question, have you been convicted of a felony? If he says yes, 
then his two sponsors have to grill him on this and say, oh, you were arrested for drunk driving when you were 18 and you're now 42. You know, maybe we'll give you a mulligan on that or whatever. Uh, but it's up to the lot. If they can find two sponsors, if they can find three investigating uh, members, if they can find no one in the lodge to drop a ball, black ball, as long as they're aware of his history, because if we deny him entry because of a previous conviction, then we're denying the possibility of reformation in his life, is in my mind. The, but, and the other side of that is if he says, no, I don't, and we later find out that he has, he's immediately expelled. So we've, we've got our backup right there. Yeah, I could see if he's falsifying his petition, but that, that's the we had a we had a petition come in that was controversial as well, and we all had to think seriously. But we said, okay, let's look at who he is and who he's become. Is a different time now, and he's a different man now. And uh, and I, I kind of look at that same when uh, when I'm talking about rental properties to people, and the people say, well, I, I want to make sure I get a good tenant in my house. Well, it's the same kind of deal. What, what, I re what we recommend and counsel people is to say, when you're looking at a tenant and you're going to get their application, say to them, hey, tell me everything about your background right now because I'm going to check it out. We're going to get a criminal background check. We're going to do this. We're going to look at your references. We're going to do that. And if everything checks out, even if it's bad, if it all checks out, we're probably okay. But if we find something that doesn't line up with what you said, then there's a problem. It speaks to honesty. It speaks to integrity. It speaks to his word. And that's what we're about. Now, I've, I'm aware that uh, people with a uh, criminal conviction uh, who years and years later apply to a lodge, uh, I'm thinking of one particular instance, where the lodge decided not to. Uh, uh, and uh, they, they blackballed him. Uh, but this was somebody who actually had come into the office, into my library on a couple of occasions, several occasions over the last 10 years. If he'd petitioned my lodge, I would have recommended we go for, with him, but that's very much the lodge decision. And so I support that. On the other hand, uh, I've advised him, now this was more than a year ago because of COVID, uh, but I advised him at the time, our constitution uh, allows him to petition again to an, any lodge, the same or another lodge, uh, a year uh, after a year, he can repetition. And on the form it asks, have you petitioned anywhere else? So he has to answer that honestly and be honest with the, with the committee again. But I told him that the door hasn't been slammed shut on him. Uh, but as always, it's the lodge that's guarding that, uh, that Westgate. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm uh, happy we have the processes that we do. I mean, we even though he may lie and say he has not petitioned another lodge somewhere, uh, yet uh, when you send the paperwork and information through to our Grand Lodge to have him vetted once, uh, just in case, uh, we often find out if he has, uh, you know, actually petitioned a lodge somewhere else. But, um, you know, and I'm not sure if this was, uh, part of the reason the uh, the six step program came in place or not, but you know just prior to uh, the, it being um, implemented by our Grand Lodge, our lodge ended up initiating uh, a, 
a couple members of the Hells Angels uh, because we didn't do uh, checks. We didn't do the proper investigations. We took them in on the word of a brother who had met them through a work scenario. And um, <clears throat> uh, had we done all the proper procedures that, that we now follow, uh, I'm pretty sure we would have identified some discrepancies at least and, and given us reason to, to look further. Six-step program is, it has an interesting history, and it's it's interesting how, and you, you probably have read how some scientific breakthroughs will happen simultaneously in labs on different parts of the world <laughs> uh, with people who haven't even talked to each other, but just it's in the air, if you will, it's in, uh, it's, it's in the it's in the academic structure that, that people are going to make similar breakthroughs at the same time. Three lodges in our jurisdiction, all within a year or so of each other, had come up with something similar to our six-step program. And in one of the lodges, it was our grant secretary's lodge. So he took the three of them uh, and with a few other people built the program that we have now. But it, it came out of the work of, of three different lodges, unknowing to each other. So That's it was pretty cool. I was right to do this. It wasn't based on anything in particular that I'm aware of. I'm the webmaster for my lodge, and so I kind of by default am the Westgate guard, especially for inquirers like that. And uh, I, I constantly have to remind myself, okay, David, would you have made it through your own process? <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes I have to pause and say, no, you probably wouldn't. Don't be so harsh. I mean, you have to be somewhat critical and help them through. But uh, I know there's reference in our six steps, man, six steps process that says you make the initial contact and then you just let them, you know, put, throw your hands up and basically say, okay, if you want more, come get it. Well, I think my mentor did a good job and that he didn't leave, let me leave our first meeting until we had set another, he was not a salesman, but he didn't let me leave until he had set the next appointment when, okay, we're going to get together next Tuesday or next, two weeks from Tuesday, whatever. And so he did a good job of making sure that I was continued to be in contact with him. So I, I again, I always have to remember, and my worship master this year, John, we've had him on the show. Uh, he, he suggested to me, he said, it's okay to be just a little salesy in that, in the process to, to, we have a good thing going and it's okay to, to, to pump it up a little bit. That's interesting because I always, with every single first contact, I always tell them it's up to them. If I don't hear from them again, I'll know that something I said turned them off or, or, or for some reason uh, they chose not to, to proceed. Uh, but I always make them contact me for that second time before I will proceed with um, giving their information to the committee even. Right. Interesting. Uh, because, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I've thought about the same thing and I, about what both of you have just said. And I sort of think when, where I was in my life when I joined, that if they had said, don't, we won't call you, you call us kind of a thing, I would have gone, okay. And I would have filed that away somewhere. And, you know, oh, and by the way, memorize this before you call us. I, you know, I think it, maybe it's a sales thing. I think every person needs it. You know, you need to apply it properly to each person, right? There's not a, there's not a one size fits all. Thing. I was, I was the same thing. I was, we were just starting to have kids and my wife was eight months pregnant when I had my first investigation 
uh, and or se- seven months pregnant and eight months pregnant. No, not she, nine months because we were with my first degree was dependent on whether she had the baby or not. We, <laughs> but she was eight months pregnant with my investigation. So yeah, we were reading very busy lives at the time, you know, new, new jobs and different things. And so I, I agree, Matt, I don't know that I would have, uh, in, in, in my, my story too, was a little bit more passing and I just kind of mentioned it to my great uncle and then he took the reins and skid, you know, greased the skids to have somebody contact me. And if that Cameron was alluding to earlier too, that if he hadn't contacted me, the grand secretary called me and said, Hey, I'm going to have two Masons call you. Well, only one of the two called me, but what if the other one wouldn't have called, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have continued to pursue because it was just a little more of a passing idea at the time. I was very interested and I don't want to pat myself on the back, but Hey, things happen for a reason. The show wouldn't, you know, we, we wouldn't be here now if we hadn't had the, the sequence of events, good or bad, forceful or salesy or handoffish or whatever, we wouldn't be here if we, if those sequences hadn't happened. So very true. And, and you know, I, I, the, I always question myself when I when I think that way about um, about it. But you know, for so long I, I was the only guy doing the the work of the committee, and it's like, well, I had to find some ways to to help vet these their their true interests. If their if their pursuit is truly laudable, I think that they, they follow through on it, right? And um, now I have more of a team and they can help, um, you know, sift. Right. Um, so maybe I shouldn't be as, as harsh in my, in my first, uh, um, meetings with them in that sense. Right. I, I can see what you mean with that. I have a, a dumb question. That's kind of tangential to this conversation. Why is it the Westgate? Why, why do we all say that? That's does anybody know? That's a great question. Is it because that's where the door is? That's where the door is in most lodges. But uh, I suspect that somebody used it in a speech or a lecture or a book <laughs> title <laughs> years ago. I don't know. That doesn't come to mind off the top. It's just one of those things that I always wondered. There's a there's a topic. There's a there's an <laughs> educational topic. There's there's got to be a paper written on it somewhere. Somebody has to have written a paper for sure. We'll, we'll have to look that well, up. Here's a great opportunity. We don't do this hardly at all. If anybody knows about the Westgate, put it down in the comments or send us an email. And we, you know what? If you've got a good answer to that, we could have you as a guest on the show to talk about. Look at me, sales. Yeah. I'm kicking right into sales mode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. You don't have to. It's individual for every listener. No, I think that's a great idea, and uh, by all means, uh, to our listeners, if you've got a great idea, uh, message us, and uh, and we'd love to hear from you and communicate. Um, I, I, the more ideas we get, um, you know, if you guys got ideas for to have uh, Brother Bailey back on for, hey, send those, send us a message on uh, with questions, and and I'm I'm sure we can arrange something. You, you seem to be it's a, a great pod. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I just yeah. took a look. It's, oh. it's biblical. Really? Oh, okay. 
Let me see if I can get a quote, but it's actually, it's claimed to be biblical. Interesting. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. One of the, we were uh, right worshipful. You had mentioned earlier the, uh, the people walking down the street with their shirts and our rings and, and our bumper stickers and, and license plates, et cetera. And uh, there's a story which it's probably not true. And it's probably one of those things that somebody made up and I'm not remembering it well, but essentially that um, a couple of missionaries were, were, I think someone told me it was St. Augustine um, were out and in, in the, the, in a town and they were, you know, looking to, to convert the, the locals and, and impress upon them the importance of, of their religion. And so the, the, he took one of the other people who was with him and said, let's, you know, we're going to go and, and proselytize to the, the people of the city. And so he and the, and this is, um, acolyte walk down to the city and they, he, he goes to the fruit steller and buys some fruit and he goes and he talks to the lady standing on the corner and he goes into the library and looks at the books or whatever. And then they go back and to their, where they were staying. And as they're going back, the, the, the acolyte says to him, you know, I thought you said we were going to go and proselytize the people and show them what Christianity was about. And he turns to him and says, we just did, you know, this, this behavior is, is how we show ourselves in our masonry to the world. And it's, yeah, yeah, there we go. Did I vamp long enough that you could come up with your quote? No, um, um, no but the, it would have entered Masonic uh, awareness with uh, Dwight L. Smith in 1962 uh, in, in his uh, landmark paper that I hope some of you have read, uh, Whither Are We Traveling? And he uses the phrase in that. So that's probably where it entered Masonic usage. Uh, uh, but as far as the, the, the biblical use, that goes back to uh, the site of uh, the West Gate is considered to be the main entrance of guard. Uh, to guard well the West Gate, in other words, means protection and safeguarding the temples. But I don't see an actual... Biblical reference. So maybe someone else will come up with something for us. Well, I think Matt's story is is perfect, kind of a, as a close yeah. to, and maybe maybe Cameron can relate again the analogy that was taught to him as a new Mason uh, that I think is perfect in that example. It really ties in from your previous episode about how as Masons were taught these signs and symbols and allegories and I'll not do justice for it. So I'll let you, if you wouldn't mind going back through that example of how, what we're taught as Masons, we take out from that secret, sacred area, the secret room into the profane world to demonstrate who we are as Masons. Uh, certainly. So the, <clears throat> the first degree lecture talks about the fact that you'll be known as a Mason by the perfect points of your entrance. And then it tells you that you have four of these perfect points, four of these things, and they are the, the guttural and the pectoral and the manual and the pedal. And what it was explained to me that could mean is that the world will know you as a Mason by what you say and what you believe and what you do, and where you go. And ever since that was explained to me, I've always thought that, that that makes a tremendous amount of sense. 
And it's certainly true when we when we wear our, our Masonic bling or our Masonic shirts or what have you. And, you know, if someone's truly in need, uh, something we perhaps don't see that often in this, in this country, but around the world, certainly it is, you know, that, that person who's truly in need should never see uh, a hand with a Masonic ring turn away from their need. You know, and I think if if we can remember those things, then I think people will have the right impression of Freemasonry. Here, here. I I think that I don't couldn't think of a better way to wrap up this conversation about uh, guarding the West Gate and our our behavior as Masons than that. So, unless anyone else has another question that I'm blowing past, hearing none. Uh, thank you, Right Worshipful Sir, for again for for being on our show. Uh, we we really appreciate your presence here, and, and I promise I'll stop emailing you for a while. We'll we'll let you we'll let it calm down a little, let you uh, get into your groove there. Uh, but thank you for being here today. We appreciate it. Thank you. And on behalf of uh, Steve and and uh, Trevor and David and myself, I thank you all for listening to the Working Tools Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.